This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. And she's back. Officially stateside. Welcome back, Sailor. Hi, guys. Yay. Hey. I'm here. I'm home. I'm back in the USA. Safe and sound. All I've right. missed you guys so much. Um, yeah, it's been a minute since we've all been together been a lot i was traveling for a total of almost four weeks a week by myself and then my husband and i for three weeks um i did listen to the shows you guys recorded without me yes and i did manage to get one show in while we were in ecuador Mm -hmm. with ed um so that was that was super fun um so i wanted to talk a little bit about you guys covering one of my favorite freaking bands while I was gone. <laughs> I was very sad. So um, we're going to talk about that tonight a little bit. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested to hear your take. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. It was I, pretty, I, it was, one of those shows was pretty polarizing, I would say. Uh, yes. 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 There <laughs> was one so. time when I wanted to hug Jenny, one time when I wanted to throttle Jenny, <laughs> one time when I wanted to hug you, Matt, one time when I wanted to throttle you. And I was pretty okay on both. I was, we're pretty okay there. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm good with that. <laughs> so um, I'm just excited for us to be back together and to be recording. I've missed it so much. I really have. Um, real quick, I apologize right now. I have a terrible head cold. I've been to like six different states and two countries in the past month, so uh, I picked up something along the way. So I apologize for the way I sound, and if you hear me snarfing or sneezing or coughing or blowing my nose, well, sorry, but that's the reality of what we do here on Metal Rock and Whiskey. We mm-hmm. keep it raw. Uh, hey guys, before we get into tonight's topic. There's two um, folks I want to mention that passed away. Uh, Ginger Baker passed away. Uh, If you guys don't know who he is, which I know everybody here knows who he is, he was the incredible drummer, um, most known for being the drummer for Cream. Um, He is kind of, he's really considered rock and roll's first superstar drummer. I shouldn't say rock and roll, rock. Like what we think now of classic right. rock or mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. that earlier 60s before it was called classic rock. Anyway, you guys know what I mean. He's, he's yeah. had that title, Rock's First Superstar Drummer. Um, he started off playing jazz, which, you know, as we've discussed so many times, it's such a great basis that are classical for being a very talented 
drummer and just innovative, very, very innovative. So um, pour one out for him and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll rest in power and uh, super sad to hear today. We say goodbye to Ginger Baker. Um, a little bit of background on him. I don't, as in the form of a question, is was that a nickname? Was his nickname Ginger because he was a redhead or something like that? Is that or is <laughs> that his actual name? Peter Edward Baker, and indeed okay. he was given the nickname Ginger Baker because he was a ginger. There you go. That's what I suspected, but <laughs> yeah, and Peter Peter Baker wouldn't have been as cool <laughs> no. or memorable. No, <laughs> not at all. Um. <laughs> Yeah, we also lost a funny man that probably only Ed and I and the listeners that are of our age mm-hmm. are, are going to know who he is. Um, Ed, you want to talk about the funny man that we lost? Oh, yes. Um, if you're of our age, um, you definitely know who Rip Taylor is. Wacky, flamboyant comedian um, who was yeah fl- famous for tossing confetti, confetti. randomly and um, very flamboyant I would say flamboyant but yet okay. very kind of very sharp-witted sarcastic yeah. type of uh, oh he was humor. in uh, he was in Wayne's World too yes that's where I know oh, him was from. he yes, yes. oh so that's yeah. he yeah I was Different telling generation. Sailor yeah telling Sailor before the show I was I remember him from being one in in one of my favorite comedy movies, Amazon women on the moon, there was a, a bit in there with him and a bunch of the older, you know, comedians of his generation, like a uh, Henny Youngman. Um, can't think of others off the top Comedian, of my head, like but the yeah. Carol Burnett days, that whole, yes. that's like, so the funny thing is, is if you Google a picture of Rip Taylor for, the, for those of you that don't know who he is, Google an image of this guy. I thought when I was little, now I grew up mostly with my grandparents and in the 70s, we didn't have a lot of shows that were considered family shows or children's shows that were on at night. So you were watching the same thing that your parents or grandparents were watching. Oh, yeah. And um, he was very, that was like the height of his popularity. I thought he was the lion from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you look at a picture of him. I can him, see that. Yeah. yeah, see? Yeah. I thought it was so I used to be like, oh, let's watch the show with the lion. And my grandparents would crack up. And he <laughs> threw confetti everywhere. And as a kid, you're just like, well, it was, it was the 70s were a simpler time. Throwing confetti was very exciting, for, I guess. <laughs> um, and then when I got older, I thought he was... He was very, very flamboyant, and I mean in the way that we would now say flaming, or I don't even, you're, that's probably not even a PC term anymore. I don't mean it in a bad, disparaging way. I don't know how else to how else to put it, but, so as a teenager, I thought, oh gosh, he was gay and, and was accepted for being flamboyant, and I don't really know, I have not read much about him, to be honest, I don't really know if that was the case. Or if it was that he got through that with comedy or that was a part of what was funny back then. I don't know. But he just did it so well. He was so effing hilarious. Um, So I highly recommend doing a search of of Rip Taylor. So um, rest in power to him, too. And we'll we'll have a sip for him as well. So that's a bummer. The fuck? Oh, well. Yeah. You know, that's life. We move on and let's lighten the mood a little bit. In the white room with black. Color.
So, of course, this is Metal Rock and Whiskey, uh, and we were all drinking this evening. So, who wants to kick us off? I say we let Sailor go first. (laughs) I say we should, Ed. (laughs) I am so excited to be holding this glass of whiskey right here. A couple things I did when I got home. We came home very, very late last night. I have to take stuff to make me sleep on the plane because I'm not the best flyer in the world. Um, So doing like where you're flying multiple flights for for an entire day, at the end of the day, I'm so drugged up. It's ridiculous. So I get home, I'm like touching the wall, my house. I'm like grabbing the cat, my cat. And then I went for my whiskey bottle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my whiskey bottles and I was kissing them and hugging them <laughs> getting good whiskey in Ecuador is impossible absolutely impossible so I already uh, talked about this on a previous show that we did from Ecuador I'll just sum it up again for you Matt the only thing really in the supermarkets so for American whiskey you have Jack Daniels that's it period there's like two weird things I had never heard of and Googled them and couldn't find any information on them. So I was like, well, that's not good. Don't okay. drink that. <laughs> and they're called American whiskey. Who the hell? Who knows what it is? Um, American covers a lot of territory. You know, it could have just been stuff bottled that gets bottled for like South American countries, but it doesn't get marketed. You know, it's just who I don't know. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll look into it at some point. But um, the Jack Daniels was in was more expensive than the blended scotch. So I was like, well, not drinking that stuff. The blended scotch, I also wasn't going to touch because it was all peated. And also, yuck. It didn't look like quality blended scotch <laughs> either. So, and I'm saying this because I had to just judge by labels and like what was written on the bottles if there was English. So I was using my Google Translate um, the app is cool as shit. You can scan like menus and text and it will translate it for you. Oh yeah. I used that heavily in Vienna last year. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So awesome. Um, so I decided, okay, you know, when in Rome, so I'm going to drink rum because sugarcane is a huge export in Ecuador. Well, unfortunately, like many countries that have big exports, they don't keep the good stuff, I guess, in their own country. Whatever the hell I was drinking was pure garbage. It was disgusting. I bought two bo- two bottles of it and oh, left no. the second bottle as a present oh. in my father-in-law's house. It was so gross. <laughs> I even made cocktails with it, and I kept tasting the cocktails. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this? Why does it taste like <laughs> shit? Like, they all know I'm a mixologist, so of course I'm on... You know, oh, make us cocktails. And I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong. (laughs) He's like, I'm better than this. This is not me. (laughs) I almost had a breakdown and Robin comes in like, taste this. And he's like, whoa, what the fuck is that? (laughs) But she's met her kryptonite here. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm using like fresh citrus and, you know, supposedly this like gorgeous Demerara sugar cane and like all nothing was helping this stuff. So I ended up making freaking daiquiris, which is fine. Like I made... 
um, coconut daiquiris. So I ended up drinking a lot of wine, um, tried to drink beer, but the beer was pretty terrible, or at least <clears throat> whatever they were buying. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy to be home with my whiskey. Over the moon, in fact. Um, so I came back and first hit my bottle of Balcones True Blue. Delicious. Start off with, start off with just, a bang. Just as delicious as I remember it. Then I had a little bit left over of my second bottle of Wild Turkey Master's Keep. Finished that off. And I'm talking drams. That's, that's all that was left of all of these was like little drams. Um, and then I moved on to one of my other comfort blankets, which is my blend. There you so, go. That is what's in my glass. All right. Solid. Can't Not argue with any of those. Me, I am back to one of my one of my comfort whiskeys here. The uh, oh yeah, the wild turkey rare breed. Mm. It's been a while since I've hit, I've popped this one open, one of the and ones um, yeah, it's a uh, for those who aren't in the know, it is wild turkey's barrel strength uh, version of their. Their basic, uh, their basic whiskey. Um, it's the same that one that's. Well, it's not that it's basic, but it's their their standard <laughs> offering. Let's put it that way. That's that's better. Calling my wild yes. turkey a basic bitch. No. pumpkin spice so, basic bitch. Ah! <laughs> as good of. <laughs> and I'm drinking it in my Glen Karen. No, Glen Karen. <laughs> Glen we'll Karen. Get, we'll get there. That's my favorite thing ever. We're gonna get there. Don't, don't, don't. Just hold off on that, please. So yeah, as good as Wild Turkey 101 is, this is just that much better. And that's what I'm drinking tonight. And this one is the release that came out at 116.8 proof. Are you drinking that awesome. in my honor, Ed? Yeah, of course I am. This is like a celebration. Welcome back to the world of real bourbon. Yeah. Well, I also am slightly drinking something in honor of having Sailor back here, Uh, but it it is something I just discovered. So Mm. this is, as the listeners know, Sailor and I have been huge proponents of the American single malt movement, as I like to say. Yes. So uh, we are huge fans of an American single malt from Texas, Little Balcones. However, I discovered another American single malt from Texas. Really? Yes. That is oh so yummy. Uh, It is called Swift. It is out of Dripping Springs, Texas. I have no idea where that is. Uh, Dripping Springs? Yes. Disgusting name. Yeah. (laughs) So Swift was actually started by a woman named Amanda Swift. Uh, she is a Texas native, uh, and she loves single malt whiskeys. So this is actually a hundred percent Scottish barley, uh, in this bottle. Uh, and this particular one, 
uh, is actually copper pot still. Uh, it's aged uh, first in four roses bourbon barrels for about a year and a half to two years. Uh, and then it is finished in hand-selected barrels from Sauternes uh, for about a year. Is it a single or a double copper pot distillation? Uh, it is double distilled. Okay. It is double, yes. Cool. Very cool. Yes. Mm. So uh, she is very hands-on, very small operation. Uh, and this is absolutely fucking delicious. So It sound, sounds very yeah. unique. I've never yeah, heard of one quite like that before. It's interesting because... So, okay, our our one of our loves, the Balcones, is from Waco, right? Mm-hmm. Dripping Springs is like a couple, it would be a couple hours because it's Texas. Look at the map, south of Waco, just north of San Antonio. Mm. So um, you're <clears throat> kind of near the Gulf there. Well, you're very far inland, but you don't have that like super dry acrid of West Texas. So you're going to be like super humid there. That would be good for aging, right? Lots of temperature fluctuations too. Hell yeah. And this is just, this is fantastic. Sounds so, delicious. um, yeah, you know, caramel, some honey sweetness, you know, from that, I'm sure from the barrel finish on that, you get a little citrus as well. Uh, really complex, really nice. Um, and it's about, it's 50 bucks. So it comes in, Almost twenty dollars cheaper than Balcones. Um, I would. I, this is still a distant second to me to Balcones, but this is just nice. It's nice to have something different and something new with a good backstory on it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That sounds awesome. I have to see if I can find that. Sounds great. Absolutely. Yay for whiskey! Yay. All right. So, let's discuss some of the shows that I missed. <laughs> All right, motherfuckers, let's start with <laughs> Quiet Riot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I love that you guys did Quiet Riot. Super bummed that I couldn't um, be there for it. A um, couple of things that I thought was funny. So, like, when I think of Quiet Riot and the, the impact they had, that, again, I think has what, what happens sometimes on the show is, our age differences show when it comes to bands like this, for sure. Um, one of, I always think about Footloose that came out in 1984. That was the song he was playing Kevin Bacon in his car when he pulled into school for the first day. Um, and the, was it a police officer to get pulled over? Is that what happened? Oh yeah. Or? They got pulled over because the music was too loud. Yeah. yeah and they're like, yeah. You can't play this shit. And just like grabs the tape. Um, and I'm like, I remember everybody in the movie theater being like, yeah, mm-hmm. um, they were in Tropic Thunder. I don't, not a fan of that movie. I just not my style of humor, but I know it's a huge fan favorite cult classic. Um, and they were in Rock of Ages from 2012 with Tom Cruise and Alec Baldwin, which is a hilarious movie. Oh, yeah. Of course, it was Come On, Feel the Noise. I mean, they even used them in a fucking Gilmore Girls episode. Quiet Riot is an absolute household name. Um, So I was thinking about, so I'm listening to you guys kind of debate the songs and the albums and everything. And I wanted to pretend like I had to put a lot of thought into it as I'm listening. Like, 
hmm, yeah, what album would I choose in this battle? Um, well, let me listen to both of their arguments. There's no decision to make here for me. There was no thought needed. So I don't know, maybe it was a good thing I wasn't on the show. I don't know, because it, it's mental health. Like, that's it, period, mm-hmm. end of story. There is no other album mm-hmm. that could even come close to, to, to touching that. It's such an it's one of the most iconic albums in all of metal historically. Yep. So to me, it's would have been metal health all the way. So you share my sentiment. Good. So it's I unanimous do. then. Yeah. It is unanimous. Yep. All right. Now let's talk about the Breaking Heart show. <laughs> so okay, for the listeners, here's how this shit went down. We knew I was going to be away. We weren't sure how long I was going to not be able to record because of the nature of my work. Sometimes I think like, okay, I'm going to have a night in a hotel room where I don't have events. We can record. Sometimes not. So they tell me they're going to do heart. And I was like, you sons of bitches. You're going to do heart without me. I was so mad. But of course, being this very supportive producer that I am, I said, by all means, go right ahead. It's fine. Just ask Jenny to be on the show. (laughs) Jenny can stand in for me. But I didn't have time to communicate with Jenny on the side and be like, listen, this is what better happened. So I had to just like grip my teeth while I was listening to the whole episode. All right. First off, the Glen Karen glass. I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. If only it was American-made glass, it would make so much sense to call it the Glen Karen glass. <laughs> oh my God, I will call it Glen Karen forever now. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. So Jenny talked about singing the song Barracuda when she was in her former band, and she was talking about how that like the difficulty in singing that song. And I have to agree with her. I was thinking, I tried to do that song a couple of times and I had to end up rearranging it a little bit to make the notes work for me um, and to be more in my register. That is an insanely difficult song to sing. If you don't agree, next time you're at karaoke, try it, motherfuckers, and Mm. we'll see. We'll see how well you think you can hit all those notes. Mm. That takes a very unique uh, vocal ability to do that. Um, I was also really excited to hear that Jenny was finally drinking quality rum. That was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> She's not I, drinking her cardigan cokes. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming we can sh- thank uh, Shannon for that. You know, I think that was a really big eye opener for Jenny. So I was really excited. I mean, I was excited to have Shannon on the show for myself, but I was really excited for Jenny because I'm like, here's somebody, you know, that's super into rum. And, you know, an expert. And, you know, Jenny had been expressing interest in getting more into rum. And I was like, Jenny, get that book. Because Shannon Mustafer's book um, is not only a guide to tiki cocktails, but it's a guide to quality rum. And, you know, just like with whiskey, you know, here's the origin of this rum. And it comes from this country. And it's this process. And that's why it makes it, you know, that's what makes it different from another rum or makes it unique or a good flavor profile for this and that like with any spirit except for vodka it's the same thing so um 
I'm really excited to see that Jenny is using that book and that knowledge. So yeah, and I think Yay, that Jenny. I think yeah, Jenny, and I think that you know with rum too and whiskey, you see it a lot as well. I think people tend who don't know maybe aren't educated or privy to you know the people that we get to talk to or you know our knowledge base, but people tend to put these spirits in kind of a box, mm-hmm. you right. know, a small box where it doesn't deserve to be put. It all yeah. tastes the same. It's all yeah. this. It's all that. And I think you know. Demerara is a perfect example of um, breaking that box open. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because it took when I first started um, speaking to others about whiskey, you know, being on the path of me educating other people. One of the interesting things is you have to relearn whiskey because you're not speaking to people that already know what it is. Mm-hmm. So, you kind of have to figure out the best way to translate that information in a way that people can understand. And this is with anything. If you, you know, if you're in the wine business or beer or whatever. So, and so I'll take things like beer or wine as an example. So do you think all whiskey is pretty much the same? People would shake their heads. Yes. Do you think all wine is the same? And they'd be like, well, what do you mean? Red or white? I'm like, I mean, wine. Yes. Red and white. Well, no, of course it's not the same. Okay. Do you think all beer is the same? If you put a Pilsner against a stout, would you even say these are the same beverage? Most people would say no. It's all beer, though. It's the same thing with whiskey. It's the same thing with rum. And God knows it's the same thing with tequila. If you've ever had good tequila, you know what bad tequila is. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't like either. Great analogy, though, with the beer and the wine. Mm-hmm. You know, the... the um, the cigar world is the same. And I didn't learn that until a few years ago when I started, I was asked to do some cigar pairings and typically the cigar person would talk. We would thank them, you know, and then I would do my part and I would listen, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know enough. And then one event, the cigar person, I forget what happened. They're playing, they missed their flight or something. They're like, you need to do the cigar part of it. I'm like, about fucking cigars like i smoke them on occasion but i can't give a cigar presentation and they're just like figured out i'm like okie dokie then (laughs) figure it out (laughs) and i learned a lot about it was kind of like a duh moment well of course where you grow the tobacco leaves are going to change the flavor of the cigar oh yeah right so that's why uh cuban cigars are so popular well, and no, it's the wrappings. For key. That's the yeah. other thing I learned. The, but wrapping. the wrappings are leaves, though, aren't they? <clears throat> yes, but it's not. That's not why Cuban cigar. It's the way they. It's what they use to wrap, and the way they wrap. Yeah. And that's the flavor that that creates. Um, it's uh, Nicaraguan is supposedly the best place to grow the tobacco because it's volcanic soil. All this shit. Like, anyway, we're getting off topic. Is the point is that like. Yeah, there's all these factors to it, so you can't just say all cigars are the same. No, they are not. No, because people yeah. will uh, people will ask me like, what's the closest thing you have to a real Cuban cigar? And I'm like, have you ever had a, a quote unquote real Cuban cigar? If you have had a real Cuban cigar, you will know that there is nothing like nothing. a real Cuban cigar. Right. Yes. So whatever yeah. I give you will not come close to the smoking experience you will have right. with a real Cuban cigar. So to that point, again, you are right. Yes. The intricacies of, um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, but I lived in Windsor, Connecticut, 
which is the shade tobacco capital of the world. Yeah, Connecticut Isn't shade. Isn't that yep. weird? That yeah. is weird. In the world. Connecticut? <clears throat> yes. Connecticut shade, yeah. It's so we could huh. do a whole show on it. It's so cool. It's one family, and they are called the Thralls. T R T H R A L L. So, um, the so I knew the the daughters, and it was their grandfather who had started this company, and he brings in Dominican workers, and they they grow it. Um, and then there's this. So it's really cool if you drive through this part of Connecticut, you see all these barns that have slats that open on the sides where they hang them and they still use mm-hmm. the old methods of hanging them open, uh, smoking them. So building fires on the ground and then they open the slats at some point. Very, very cool process. And then they take all of that down to, um, I believe back to the Dominican Republic and then to Cuba also. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on this. And then they're used as wrapping. So they're, they're freaking giant, but apparently this is a coveted wrapping, Connecticut shade. Yep. I didn't know that. There's something about the flavor of the soil, and there's something about just whatever the hell happens there. And so this family has been doing it. So now it's four generations that have been doing it. It's really, really super cool. So, yeah, you can have you can have a wrapping of Connecticut shade with you know a filler from Dominican Republic, and then like a binder from Honduras. So you can yeah. have all of these things combined to make a very nice cigar. And then how they wrap it. Also, I learned is like, it'll burn a certain way. So that's another thing you look for is the burn, the way Correct. it burns. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Super, super cool. Very interesting. Yeah. So the, right. do they have master blenders in the cigar world as well? They do. They do. Yeah. Yep. They absolutely do. They've got master wrappers. Blenders, and then it's the tenders, right? The ones that tend to the the leaves. Am I cr- is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but the master blenders. Um, apparently, it's a very, very difficult job, and you're all over South America and the islands all the time. So that'd be cool as shit, though. That would be a really fun job. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yeah. You know how much whiskey they have down there in South America. <laughs> Well, you'd have to bring, <laughs> you'd bring your own damn whiskey. <laughs> if I go to Ecuador again, I will be freaking prepared. We didn't we didn't pack luggage or check luggage. I'm gonna be checking entire two suitcases full of whiskey. I will know. Um, speaking of whiskey, Matt, I loved your whiskey pairing for the Heart Show. Discussing the ladies who built Glenfiddich. That was, that was cool. fucking amazing. Thank really you. good job. It was almost as good as mine, but not quite. <laughs> but really good. <laughs> it was inc- that was incredible. I asked, I did not know where you were going with it at first, and I have a very close relationship with the history of Glenfiddich, of course. Um, and the minute I knew where you were going, I was like, you should have seen me. I'm in the bathroom in Ecuador, like with headphones on, like yay. Like, yeah. up, 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 up. I wanted to text you guys and like people were like, come on, we gotta go. It was thank awesome. you, thank you, thank you. It was super, super awesome. Um, all right, so heart. Oh, you guys. Okay, I liked your discussion, how you guys really came from three different angles. It was very interesting. Um, to kind of like your arguments about, you know. The keyboards and the 80s versus the 70s and the folk versus the rock and all of that. Um, 
it's funny. And then the whole thing with the outside songwriters, um, you know, saying that made them the most successful. My answer would have been, that doesn't mean it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't give a shit that they sold more records that way. It sucked ass. Um, I Thank think it, it's very, I think Anne is a total hot mess. All the drama in her personal life. And she had substance abuse problems, which by the way, led to having to hire the outside writers um, to get that record deal. Ed, you were absolutely right. I know exactly what you were referencing to the interviews. Um, they didn't have a choice. The record label was like, if we're going to put this deal together, we're bringing in outside writers, the end. And they just weren't in a strong position anymore. They had fallen out of favor. And, um, and, and you, you, uh, who brought up, um, uh, Aerosmith. That was me. Yeah. It's a very similar situation. Like, yeah. you know, most kids were like, who the fuck are, who's this? You know, same thing like Tina Turner, who the hell is this lady? You know? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're hits. Um, to me, Okay, wait. So go to go back to the one hilarious thing, bringing up Herbie Hancock. <laughs> How the fuck do you relate that to Van Halen synthesizing sounds? Mm. Like Herbie Hancock was like Herbie cool. Hancock is like all synthesizer. I know, but it has nothing to do with rock music. It's not like he started incorporating. That's no, no, no. The whole point was that Matt was talking about how he hated synthesizers oh. and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, so obviously you're not a Hurry Hancock fan. <laughs> you didn't like Herbie oh. Hancock, Matt? Well, well, I, I said it on the show. Like, all I know of Herbie Hancock is, like, when they talk about him in Tommy Boy. <laughs> that was pretty accurate, right? <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> um, go listen to some. Hang on. I'm going to play some for you right now. Hold on. Listen to this shit. Wow. So now you know you've heard that song before, right? Yes. Okay, so what the listeners couldn't see or know is that Ed and I were jamming our fucking heads off to this shit, and Matt was laughing at us. And I was shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> so this song came out in 1983. Get this, the genre they classified it as oh, was boy. jazz. <laughs> jazz! What the fuck? Yeah, because Herbie Hancock is known as a jazz musician. You know? Um, so what we're, we're explaining to Matt and we decided to come back was this is what put all that synthesizer in all the rock music because this was a revolution when this song came out. We had, the only time we had ever heard a sound like that was in the, this was like very, very early rap, like 79, 80, 81, 82, but that wasn't mainstream yet. So you're hearing a lot of scratching but the full synthesizer, a whole song of synthesizer and scratching, that had never been done before. So, anyway, that was a tangent into synthesizers yeah. <laughs> and keyboards. But it's, I don't know, I laughed so hard when you said Herbie Hancock. Um, but, well, feeding into that, I think for me, 70s Heart and 80s Heart are two different bands 
they you could replace the okay other than Anne's voice I you wouldn't know they're the same people to me it, it's that they have n- no. nothing to do with each other um I, I just and I think 80s heart is fucking garbage and Jenny like, and I said that at, at the beginning of that show is that we knew these songs would we have ever thought that they were heart not a chance so not a chance going okay so going through their discography okay so you have dreamboat annie you've got magic man crazy on you um then you've got um little queen with barracuda barracuda and kick it out then magazine with heartless even though i feel like each album is getting progressively less like magic man and crazy on you you still have these fucking awesome standalone songs Mm -hmm. um dog and butterfly straight on which is a freaking great song bebele strange is pretty much bebele suck but it's got even it up on it (laughs) private audition passion works but that's when they were like they were all fucked up at that point and then they disappear and they come back with their self-titled album. This is a different band. I'm not into it. I wasn't into it. I'll never be into it. Two thumbs down. Barf. Bad animals. Even worse. I hate Alone. I, if I ever have to hear that song again, I want to rip someone else's eyes out. And then my own eardrums. I ah. hate that song. So I could it have used so you. I could have used you on that show. That's why I was like, Jenny, you fucking betrayed me, you bitch. I know, and I was surprised that t- I was surprised uh, too. Coming from her too. Yeah. And Jen- then Brig- Brigade. Oh please. Brigade did me in. I think Brigade made me stop listening to the radio. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I think no, but seriously. Wow. Because they played that song, All I Wanna Do Is Make Love to You, and I call it All I Wanna Do Is Punch You in the Fucking Face. They played it like every other song. Yes. Uh, I'm not kidding. That and um, What's Your Stupid Head, Sinead O'Connor's song. It's all. Oh, I remember they played Pink or <sighs> Black Velvet was also playing oh, around the time like, all the time. I think those were the only three songs that existed for a two-year period. And I just wanted to murder everything in sight. Like there was no amount of beer and marijuana that could save me. I hated it. And then Desire Walks On. What a load of fucking garbage. Garbage. Total fucking garbage. I am so disappointed that that's what Heart turned into. I have no fucking clue what the hell happened to them. I don't know how you make Magic Man and Crazy on You and Barracuda. And then you make All I Want to Do is Make Love to You and Alone. What the fuck? Well, that wasn't those weren't their songs. But they that's sang the them and recorded them. Money like, talks and bullshit walks. Ugh, well, apparently they yeah. love money more than they love music. And that's hard for me to say because I looked up to those women, but they they screwed the pooch, man. They lost my respect a long they had, time ago. They had a cool kind of pseudo, and I know you're going to hate me making this comparison, but <laughs> I'm going to anyway. But they had a cool kind of pseudo Zeppelin vibe going there in the 70s. Uh-huh, gotcha, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, and then they just, you know. I don't 80s, know. But, 80s yeah. and money and a new record deal and all that stuff. You know, There's a lot do, of really it'll do that. great shit that came out of in the 80s. The 80s was a really fucking awesome time in music. Oh, hell yeah. Unfortunately, for bands like Jefferson Airplane and Heart and Aerosmith, 
save one singular song from Aerosmith. The 80s are just garbage. Or even Lita 4, bands. too. I made that comparison, thing. Too. Yeah, you were absolutely right, yeah. Lita 4. Like, they yeah. just walked away. They walked away from their own originality, their own musical soul, and just did what was going to be a radio hit, and it's fucking garbage. So had I been on that show, Dreamboat Annie all the way, there's no fucking way in hell. Anybody that says they could give up the song Magic Man or Crazy on You needs to get smacked in the head. This world cannot exist without Magic Man and Crazy on You. Not only that, but there are hundreds of female singers that have reached fame after these songs were popular because of these specific songs. There's no fucking way anyone who is sane can choose anything over Dreamboat Annie. I'm sorry. So anybody who didn't choose Dreamboat Annie, there's a big middle finger to you guys. You can suck it. You're wrong, and I'm right, and that's it. Ed, a minute for rebuttal. I didn't say you guys get to have rebuttal. (laughs) As I said in the heart episode. I think he he deserves at least one minute. I came into heart during their self-titled album, and that's the heart I knew. And then you hear, then you hear those songs, and you go, "No, wait, how do I get you alone?" Is better, Ed. You're gonna get smacked in the fucking head next time I see you. I'm gonna hug you and kiss you on the cheek, and I'm gonna smack your fucking head. You, you are grounded. Your punishment is to go back and listen to Dreamboat Annie. Now the battle wasn't what's, what's their best song, your, their or, best. Or, or not their best song, but your favorite song. I didn't go off to those. Crazy would on be, you, yeah. Crazy on but you. But it was my, it was your favorite album, and that's what I was. Because that was our discussion. What's your the favorite heart album? It's not what do you think is Heart's best song? Dreamboat Annie. Dreamboat Annie is their best album. I mean, if ever I. Made. If uh, it what came down to our discussion was what is Hart's best song? Well, yeah, I probably would have gone Barracuda. That's, that would have been my I, favorite I even, song. That comes after Magic Man and Crazy on You. Just for anyway. musicality, lyrics, vocals. I mean, I don't know. Dreamboat Annie is their best album. That's it. Sailor has the last word. We're done with this discussion. That album wins. Hands down, Venom story, Dream Boat Annie it is. Ta-da! I think it's a tie. Nope. I always have the deciding vote. I'm just kidding. But anyway. Oh, good God. All right, you guys also talked about Rocket Man, the movie. Yes. Um, Oh, my God, was that amazing. I will say that it is. I did not know... I didn't care to read anything about it ahead of time because I don't like to know anything. I don't want anything spoiled if I know I'm going to watch it. So I didn't know it was a musical movie. I thought it was going to be like the Queen movie. So it took me a minute to be like, wait, what's happening? It's a musical? (laughs) (coughs) I don't always care for musicals, but I, I loved it. And I, the, took me about 15 minutes into the movie and I realized Oh, yeah, you can't do this movie any other way than making it a musical because it's Elton John. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The actor was brilliant. Um, I, I Just wonderful. Absolutely loved it. Um, 
So then, have you seen it since we discussed it, Matt? Uh, I have not, unfortunately. Okay. I have not had a lot of time. There's, to a fault, there's so much going on in the wrestling world, obviously, that it has completely consumed my my being next to, you know, going to school and working and all that sure, stuff. Sure. So that's yeah, all I've been watching. That's, well, I'm, I'm talking about as far as entertainment goes. That's like all I've been watching. Uh, but it's on the docket, so we're going to get there. Let's let's definitely come back to it after you see it. We should. We should. There was some really amazing stuff in there. It was incredible. Mm. And then um, you guys brought up a Bowie movie. And at first I was like, no one can play Bowie. And then Matt. I was like, there's no fucking way. Nobody can ever play Bowie. Don't do it. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. Matt. Cumberbatch. Holy oh, okay. shit. Yeah. You're I was like, so who did I say? I hope I didn't right. say something stupid. No, Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> would be the only human, I think, on the planet that could pull off Bowie in every way. Like, he's such a chameleon. He's an amazing actor. He's got that weird... He's got like, the look, yeah. He's hot as shit, but he's weird looking. I know mm-hmm. most dudes don't get why we think he's so hot. He could totally pull it off. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah and I'm sure he can... I'm like, I'm not a huge, like follower of his career but i'm sure he could sing i mean i'm I would almost positive he could probably sing but you know if not just dub that shit man just dub that, that shit exactly yeah amazing mm-hmm. i would watch that i would watch that a whole lot for lots oh, yeah. of reasons oh yeah you heard it here first folks if they make a movie and it's cumberbatch that was that was matt that was the whiskey obsessor <laughs> we will we will we will give you an award or a prize yes or something something i'll send you tickets to see the movie there you go. <laughs> and a little mini tram. <laughs> so speaking of movies real quick before we wrap this up. So I'm actually going to see S&M 2 in the movie theater next week. Oh. S&M 2? What? Yeah. yeah. What's S&M? You know, like San Symphony. Francisco Symphony and Metallica. They call it S&M? Yes. Yes. Okay. The... Did you did you miss the first one when they released it in 1999? I guess you would have because you didn't give a shit. Oh, I wasn't in this country, and yes, I didn't give a shit then. Okay. <laughs> so for both of yeah. those reasons, indeed. And if I saw something about S and M, I don't think I would have thought it was a fucking musical opera symphony thing. Touche. Thought something else altogether. Touche. So yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Speaking of Metallica, did you hear Hetfield oh, yeah. was in rehab? Yes. Yeah. That's very sad. That's sad. Yeah, to hear that. But it's incredibly well, he's sad. Getting I help. He needs... Well, I can't help but think about the ramifications of that and Blackened. You know, you own a whiskey brand, but you're in rehab. That's got to be really complicated. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just the fact that he was, oh, God, I mean, 14 years sober, maybe 15 years sober. And to just and and they've been touring that whole time and now just now fourteen years later to have those problems again and like we don't know obviously the extent of of what it entails or maybe it's been going on for a few years but it's just well you're all once an addict you're always an addict that's the thing yeah I mean that's why you you say you're in recovery recovery for life and every day you say you're sober and never dead there's no time when you're like okay I'm done with that I'm not an alcoholic anymore yeah. And he always and he always said in interviews it was you know, his original 
thing for go you know his original motivator for going to rehab was fear because he was he he feared losing his family he feared everything that he had built in his personal life because he came from a broken home mm-hmm. you know uh, and he feared that that would be what his kids would be growing up with a broken home so he's like I gotta get help now and yeah it's just it's really sad very very sad that yeah. sucks yep I didn't mean to skim over the personal part of the story um. I just don't like to speculate too much on unless they've spoken about him. He hasn't spoken publicly. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. I went right to talking about Blacken because I feel like he should speak publicly first before we discuss too much the personal part of the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that's my response and my correction to the heart show. Let it be known <laughs> that we have corrected how that went down. <laughs> And um, revisionist drink, history, I think that's what they call that. They might, <laughs> but I'm just going to drink my whiskey out of my Glen Karen glass <laughs> and know that I'm right. And you're wrong. That's the sailor rule number two. Yes. Just go back and just scrub everything we did <laughs> <laughs> like it never existed. Oh, it can exist. I'm just yeah. going to correct you guys. Yeah. <laughs> No well, correcting here, man. I'm on the same page as no, you. I know, I know. Same page, same paragraph, same I'll sentence. Have my, I'll have my words with Jenny. I'll have my words. <laughs> I'm sure. I know you will. <laughs> Poor Jenny. That's what she gets for covering for me. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you guys letting me um, respond to the two shows that I missed. And it was super fun being back in the studio once again together and doing another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. All right. Well, it's so good to have you back. And um, listeners, if you're happy to have Sailor back, if you love us or even just like us, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. It really does matter. And of course, tune in next week where we will be back, all three of us, Yay! for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hells yeah. Hey, where can they find us, Matt? Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we really fucked this up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And jumped the gun. But it's it's cool. It's cool. Uh, so he is. <laughs> he's all flustered, flabbergasted. <laughs> uh, but you can, of course, you can you know guys know where to find us on Instagram and Twitter at Metal Rock Whiskey. And uh, we also have a super cool Facebook group, uh, which we hope you will join under Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. You can find us individually on Instagram as well. And the socials, you can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey, save the E. Sailor. E. I'm Sailor Retro, all over the place. Find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Now I'm going to change my fuck you, Lars, to something else. Fuck you, 80s heart. <laughs> Later, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.